Welcome to The Math of You, a podcast about formative media from when we were young. I'm Lucas Brown. On this, our 74th episode, it's the return of Art Lee Vasquez. And you know what that means. We're going to be talking about some cartoons. Along the course of this conversation, we discuss cartoons inexplicably made from teen movies, the joys of Cree Summer, and how you might be able to build a rocket to space but you still can't get off an island. We'll finish the show with our signature cocktail and let you know how you can become a guest on The Math of You. We join this conversation already in progress. All right, Artley. So for those who may not know you, why don't you say who you are and what makes you a beautiful and unique snowflake? (laughs) Hey, so I'm Artley King Vasquez, and what makes me a special snowflake is I'm a giant cartoon character, and I have probably been one for a good 35 years since I am 35 years old. I basically identify with a lot of cartoons and animation growing up because it's probably been the only constant in my life for a while. And it's been basically my thing. So if people were to describe me, they would say, what were the things that would influence you growing up? And I would say definitely cartoons, definitely animation, definitely toys and things like that. It's probably been the basis of my relationship as well, because that's pretty much why I married my husband, because he has toys and we collect toys together. <laughs> and astute listeners will recognize Art Lee from episode 32, where we talked about the little known filmation sequels to movies like Pinocchio and Snow White and a few others. I think we also talked about the Brave Star, very special episode where they killed that kid. Oh man, I still can't believe they killed a kid. <laughs> <laughs> We talked about all sorts of things. Now, normally for these return episodes, they're pretty freeform and we can talk about whatever you want. But you actually had a topic in mind. You you said you want to talk about, was it grown-up shows made into cartoons? Here's the thing. So I don't know if you heard recently, but apparently they're going to be doing a Total Drama Island where the cast of characters are going to be kids. Now, growing up in the 80s and 90s, there were a lot of shows back then that had quote kid versions of tv shows and i thought it was really weird i'm like they're doing this format again in 2018 i thought that died like years ago so my first thought is of course muppet babies right but what are some of the others right but they're also doing a muppet babies for 2018 what and for some strange reason skeeter is not involved why like i don't think they're having scooter and skeeter in the cartoon yeah yeah this is weird (laughs) 
I suppose if you remove them both, it's just because, you know, Scooter is not as well-known of a character as the others. But if right. you just remove Skeeter... Yeah. Mm. That's what I thought was so weird. I'm like, I don't mind having a new version of Muppet Babies come out. But if you're going to remove Scooter and Skeeter, I mean, that's just rude. It's bad enough Skeeter didn't exist to begin with except in Muppet Babies. I was going to say, actually, <laughs> that, that tweaked to me was that her and Nanny were the two original creations for the show, right? Right, yeah. So could it be like a rights issue? They're like, okay, well, Skeeter belongs to that subset of the media like we don't have access to her under the new Muppets thing I don't know because I'm pretty sure I don't know if it's like a Sesame Street thing or anything like that but they're creating a new character who apparently is a purple penguin to add to the cast okay this is this is fine we're not questioning this we're just gonna watch it like I'm literally gonna sit down and watch it when it comes out if it hasn't come out already because I wasn't too sure I'll watch the few episodes you know as a informed individual but yeah so I was I'm watching all these shows and I'm hearing about this stuff and I thought back were kids shows back in the days like the kids version of shows really that bad and I had like a few that came to mind so there was obviously Muppet Babies there was a pup named Scooby-Doo which I liked oh yes you know there was the Flintstone Kids I don't know if you ever saw that I did yeah it's only occasionally because again I'm starting to realize that uh, Fredericton New Brunswick was extremely erratic in its cartoon programming like you'd get two episodes of something and then never again Right. And then there was obviously Tiny Toon Adventures, which everybody loved. Which is genius. Of course. And then there was Tom and Jerry Kids. And then the one that basically killed the whole preteen, teenage concept of cartoons, Yo Yogi. Please tell me you remember that. Oh, yes. (laughs) Yes, I do. So it's so funny because, and that's what really brought this up, because everybody who remembers Yo Yogi saw that as like the biggest thing, the biggest pandering I've ever heard of. Mind you, I'm sitting back trying to remember. I'm like, was it really that bad? So I had to go onto YouTube, find the intro, watch it. And I was watching it. I'm like, oh my God, this is literally the 90s encompassed into a 30 second theme song. (laughs) Cause I'm over here watching it. I'm like, is this, maybe it was that bad. (laughs) And I just put on rose colored glasses when I was watching it. So. In between the the TV shows and stuff like that, there were also the movies that came out in the 80s and 90s that apparently got cartoon versions as well. Off the top of my head, I can think of like uh-huh. Back to the Future. Right. And Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Which is my favorite. And, yep. Had an awesome theme song. Yes. Just out of nowhere, James Bond Jr. Yes, I have that written down. Because <laughs> I had to... He does chase scum around the world. Oh, God. I, I was so mad that that actually happened. Yeah, so it was... <laughs> I can't believe that was a thing. That's like Gadget yep. Boy and Heather. Ugh. <laughs> I, you know, it's sad. It's funny because I had to look a lot of these up because I didn't remember a lot of them off the top of my head. So I looked up the Bill and Ted one because, again, I really liked it. And I didn't realize that it only had two seasons, but... Wait, it had two seasons? My first thought was it, it lasted beyond a season. No, it had two seasons. Like, apparently, the first season actually had... Keanu Reeves, Alex Winter, and George Carlin reprising their roles as Bill, Ted, and Rufus. So I'm like, okay, this makes sense. Maybe that's why I remember it so fondly because it had the actual voice characters. Get you paid, George Carlin. Ah, <sighs> George Carlin, RIP in peace, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> and I was watching and I'm like, okay, like, yes, this I remember. And apparently there, if you look it up on YouTube, the intro for Bill and Ted season two, you will see a stark difference in not just the animation, but obviously they had to change the voice cast and it was 
really bad. Like, oh god, it was horrible. Like season one was so much. Like you could definitely tell the animation studios changed because I think it went from. I hold on, I'm trying to remember because there were two animation studios involved. I think the first one is actually Hanna Barbera, and the other one was Deke. Which I'm surprised at Deke. They're usually better than that. I don't, I, I don't know why, but you could definitely tell there was a drop in quality. So, but honestly, I didn't even think they should have made a second season one season was fine like the episodes I actually don't even remember a lot of the episodes I only remember the theme song and I'm watching them on YouTube and I'm like yeah I can see why this only got two seasons which I'm completely fine with I think it's one of those things where it's like both with Back to the Future the cartoon and Bill and Ted because you have the time travel theme it kind of frees you up story-wise like I could see them I don't know if they did but I could easily see them doing things like repurposing scripts from other shows that were in different time periods oh yeah and just like whole cloth dumping them in and being like right here's our plot in ancient Rome here's our plot in the old west here's our plot in Viking times you know go I figure since a single season is usually about 13 episodes, that would make the most sense. You could just pick out 13 random events that happened in history that di- that weren't covered in the actual movie and be like, oh, here, let's just dump Movies. it in there and <laughs> keep it going. Exactly. Then do you remember Teen Wolf, the cartoon? Yes, I do, because it was one of those things where I had kind of subsumed the memory. And then Sophie Campbell, artist of Jimmy the Holograms and many other things, yeah. Wet Moon and things like that, was posting. She had this image of this like old guy with like wispy sideburns. Uh-huh. And I was sure it was from the Teen Wolf cartoon, that it was like Grandpa from the Teen Wolf cartoon. It wasn't, but it caused me to go down a rabbit hole and start remembering that that, in fact, was a thing. You know, and it's so funny because I personally forgot it was a thing. Like, I remembered it, but... It wasn't until I was listening to another podcast. I think it was like the Hey, Do You Remember podcast where they look at old movies and stuff like that. And they recently did Teen Wolf. And I'm like, wait a minute. Didn't that used to be a cartoon? So down into the deep web I went. And sure enough, (laughs) there it was. The first thing. Because apparently, I guess the concept behind the cartoon was he actually had like a family that knew he was a wolf. I think he had a sister who turned into a wolf too. And then there was Grandpa, and actually only Booth and Styles knew that he could transform, and he tried to hide it versus actually him, like, wolfing out in the movie. I'm like, what was the radical change between movie and animation that you got this? Like, what is this? <laughs> I liked it, but I was just so confused by it. But again, I think this also has to go back to, I think I just liked animation a little bit more than I should have. Yeah, it's some of those situations where you're like, sure, Clearly, there was an executive who decided, yes, this deserves all the money that I can throw at it. Right. Which will run out after a while. And when you're not paying dividends, it's like, well, then I guess it stops. But this idea, like you said, where it's like, oh, I saw this movie and teens like this movie. So kids should like this movie if we dumb it down a little bit. It's just this weird kind of run of logic. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what actually, like, now that I think about it as an adult, I feel like Back in the day, every cartoon that ever came out was to sell something. Like, I feel like we grew up in the era of, if we can sell it to kids, let's make a cartoon about it. I mean, let's be honest. A good majority of the cartoons we watched growing up literally had a toy accompanying it. And I'm pretty sure we all bought that toy. Or somebody in our lives bought that toy. Which... Hell, there were toys that I bought where I hadn't even seen the show. Where it's just like, yeah, cool. That thing looks right. And it's like, yeah, the thing is, you're completely correct. And this, this actually, now that I'm a parent... 
bugs me about some other parents that I hang out with uh-huh. or work with and stuff where they're like bagging out the kids TV that's on right now. Yeah. That, oh, you know, God forbid your kid watches My Little Pony or your kid watches PJ Masks or right. Monster High or any of that stuff. And it's like, guys, have like, do you not live on the internet the way I do? Have you not revisited the stuff from your childhood and realized how bad He-Man and She-Ra was? Yeah. Like- you know, like, but... And thing is, I can remember my dad being so invested in that because it was my favorite thing, being able to rattle off a whole bunch of character names and know their relationships so he could talk to me about this stuff. If he saw a car that he knew was a Transformer, he would kind of write it down in his head and come back and he's like, I saw a car that looked like Jazz today or something. And it was like, or he'd point it out to me if I was with him. So it's like that level of engagement where I think now it's like, oh, you know, the kids' shows are so stupid. It's like, they're kind of not for the most part. I mean, some of them are, but... Honestly, like, let your kid watch stupid things. <laughs> right, exactly. And that's kind of how I've, me and my husband always talked about is like, when we had kids, like, we would be those parents who would actually watch it with them because, one, we want to. Two, I want to make sure, like, it's not dumbing them down. Or if I'm there, I can actually explain to them, like, yes, this is the concept of this. Or if they're just watching it and I'm over here, like, listening to something in the background and I hear something really dumb come out the TV... I'm going to be that parent that sticks his head out. I was like, what was that? Is it killing brain cells? If it's killing brain cells, change the channel. Like, no, 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 change the channel. Here, hold on. Hold on, wait. Let me get some of my 90s animation out. Here, watch this. It'll make you smarter. Because, I mean, think about it. That's the stuff that we grew up with. Like, a lot of those cartoons, even though they were forced to have the whole, like, you must learn something at the end of it, you did learn something at the end of it. Yeah, totally. You know? And I appreciate that. But, again, also the parent, like, the adults now who... Like you said, they shit on all these other cartoons and stuff that come out now. It doesn't make sense. Like, you have no reason to really be upset about the animation or the story or stuff like that. And, you know, like they say, the fandoms can be toxic. Like, I watch a lot of the cartoon YouTubers and stuff like that on on YouTube. And I'm just kind of watching. I'm like, how bitter are you kids? I feel like a lot of them, while they do have some valid points to what they're saying, I feel like they're also at that age where they're just like, oh, this is stupid. I don't want to do this. I'm like, you're not really going with an open mind. It's kind of sad when you think about it. Yeah, and it's something around people getting snarky about a thing that is not made for them. It's the- Are we talking about Teen Titans Go? <laughs> Cause- oh, oh, we could. We could for real. <laughs> I mean... Because it's like, you look at it and you go, okay, this is, you know, I'm going to steal a Sims line and say, this is for babies. Yes. This is for dumb babies. Let it be for dumb babies. You know, so going in with a critical eye to have a bash at it because, oh, gee, it doesn't make sense. You know, it's, it's not, you know, it's, it's like, it doesn't have to. It's not for you. Right. Like, I, like for all those people who give T-Titans go hell, I've watched a few episodes. Like some of the early, earlier stuff, I watched it. I'm like, hmm. Yeah, I don't think, I, I don't see myself going back to this every so often. But there are a few episodes that I like, like that 40-40-20 episode. That's probably like my favorite episode of Teen Titans Go. And I'm literally watching it. I'm like, you know what? This show is not made for me and mine. It's literally, like you said, it's set to a demographic that is much younger. They want to maybe get into, you know, DC comics and stuff. And that's fine. Maybe they don't have parents who are totally into it like me and my husband are, like you are, and things like that. So let them watch it. I don't care. I'm not going to go on this, you know, pitchforks and torches tirade. I mean, at first, I'll be honest, at first I did, only because 
I'm still mad about how they did the original Teen Titans. Where's my final season? Like, come on, <laughs> just just give me closure on regular Teen Titans before I can go into this. If Young Justice can come back. Young Justice needs to hurry up and come back. They've been talking about it for what, a year and a half now? Because animation takes time, though. So it's like, I'm, I'm willing to wait. Just give me a teaser. That's all I ask. I mean, hey, according to them, it took four and a half years to make 12 episodes of the second season of Attack on Titan, but I'm not going to talk about that. <laughs> we are not going to talk about that. So mad. Moving on. So. <laughs> but yeah, it's like when you talk about, like, here's the thing. I, like, this is a terrible thing I'm about to say. Having a little kid mm-hmm. who is just starting to pay attention to stuff is like a great experimental moment for me. Because what I'll do is I'll go to the library and I'll get like, I'll go to the kid section and just get like a random smattering of things. Mm-hmm. And I'll put it in front of him. Some stuff from when I was a kid, some stuff that's more recent. And I'll just see what he pays attention to. So far, what he's paid attention to is he loved old school Sesame Street. Mm-hmm. Like the one I got was I think 76 to 79. Oh, yes. Like he loved all the Muppet stuff. It wasn't so much on the live action, just like song with a bunch of kids running around in the background. Right. But he loved the Muppet stuff, loved some of the animation. And he loved Batman Brave and the Bold. Okay specifically he did not love teen titans like i just like i put it on and i'm watching it and i'm like but i can also see why you know because like i think the one i got was switched which is where raven and uh, starfire switch bodies which is a great episode (laughs) yeah oh it's amazing that's probably like one of my faves (laughs) yeah and it's like that's a really good episode but that's a great episode for you and me it doesn't catch his attention in that way whereas i'm sure if i put on something like teen titans go it would probably get his attention right and that's just it like because i have made it my life mission to collect as much animation as humanly possible to pass down to the younger generation. There are things that I would want my kids to be exposed to, like Tiny Toon Adventures or, you know, Batman the Animated Series, which we have on, you know, DVD. Mm-hmm. And, you know, or, or like even the 80s stuff, Transformers, Jam, She-Ra, He-Man. If I can find it, Rainbow Bright. Thankfully, it's on YouTube, so I can watch it there. <laughs> but, yeah. I like, I want them to watch that stuff and i also like you said the 70s sesame street like i want to get that on dvd so they can watch that and then also watch the newer stuff of sesame street and you know learn elmo and things like that actually it's funny they replayed an episode of sesame street recently uh-huh. uh, one of the newer ones and it was about a kid learning how to go to daycare and how to not be stressed about it right and how to deal with like and, and this is something that it blew my mind where it's like we're going to set up a strategy. This is a plan of what happens if you get anxious. So because mm-hmm. this is our word of the day is anxious because it's 2015. And I'm like, oh, get ready for the next few years, kids. <laughs> but it was like, yeah. And they brought back Telly because Telly's the most anxious Muppet. Yes. And I'm just like, this is perfect. Like, this is great. It's like, when, you know, you get nervous and scared and anxious when this happens. Here's how you deal with that. I'm like, that's kind of awesome. I kind of like that. Right, and that makes all the sense in the world. In addition to me looking for those older animations and stuff like that, I've also decided to try to find the Beetlejuice cartoon because... Yes. Oh my God, that's probably one of my favorites. So weird. It's so weird. And again, one of those ones where you look at it and you go, who saw this Tim Burton movie about a ghost trying to abduct Winona Ryder to be his bride and turning into snakes and stuff? And thought, you know what? A comedic afterlife? That's my Saturday morning kid show. Right? And I like how they turned Lydia into, like, his best friend in the cartoon. I mean, to be fair, Mm. they got, like, what, four seasons out of it? I watched it, so. I watched it, too. I watched it in syndication, and I feel like the plot where his head was separate from his body went on forever. Oh, God, I hate that episode. I really hate it. Because I feel like every time I tuned in, it was, he was a head being carried around, and there was his body talking with his hands with little hand mouths. 
maybe they did it more than once, but I remember there was literally like one whole episode where he had no head and used his hands to talk. I'm like, this is dumb. This is dumb. I'm changing the channel. (laughs) (laughs) And then, and I blame you for this. What the (laughs) hell is Gilligan's Planet? Oh, Gilligan's Planet. Well, the thing is, this was one where I never actually watched it because I was not watching TV in an area where it was, but I saw it advertised in a comic book. It was like, check out our new Saturday morning lineup, and Gilligan's Planet was on there because it's one of those things where TV cannot let its old ideas die. I... I'm going to send you a link, but yes, keep talking. No, 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 don't, no, I don't want to hear it. I don't care. No. You want to know why? Because... When you sent me that, I actually went on YouTube to looked up Gilligan's Planet, and I went dumb for 20, like, literally for 12 minutes. I'm like, <laughs> what? And then I saw who was in, like, I think there was, like, either, like, the executive producer or something like that. It's the same executive producers who did He-Man and She-Ra? What? Mm. Was this a low-key filmation animation I did not know about? Because if it is, I'm fine with that. <laughs> and they got the entire, it was 82, 83 was one. And it, it, it says, yeah, they got the entire cast. They got Bob Denver. They got Alan Hale Jr. They got I... Russell Johnson, Chewbacca, Natalie Schaefer, and Don Wells. And it was just like, okay, here you go. Oh, my God. Gilligan rescues a robot named Wizard with two Zeds from a landslide, which then grants Gilligan's every wish out of gratitude. Eventually, Mr. Howell becomes the robot's master and misuses his wishes, ruining another chance to get home. Yes, they kept the trying to get home. It's it's it's, it's it's funny you mentioned that because as I was watching the intro, I went down to that black hole that is the YouTube comment section, <laughs> that god awful black hole. There was one of the comments said, so they had enough to build a rocket to space, but not enough to get off the island to go home. <laughs> and all I kept thinking was, how dare you bring sense and logic into this? <laughs> like, yes. how do you just build a rocket to space, but you don't have the sense to build a a ship to get your asses off the island. Because, hey, coconuts are an extremely effective building medium. I wonder, do I need to go, like, build a coconut tree somewhere to, like, use the oil to, you know, as fuel for my car or something? I don't know what is happening. And then, ugh. Here's the thing, though. Did you know that wasn't the first Gilligan's Island animated series? What? What? Uh, I'm going to send you a link to the new adventures of Gilligan. Oh, no, you will not. Oh, no, I buy yes, that. I will. No, no, back. <laughs> get, get this off my machine. Nope. I bind that in the name of Jesus. Nope, you will not do this to me, Satan. Why would you make two series about Gilligan's Island? Who had that much time and money? Who had that much time and effort? Why would this you... was in the '60s? This was like okay, that makes more sense then. It was 1964 to 19. 19- oh wait, no, that was the original series. What am I saying? This was 74 to 77. So literally 10 years after Gilligan's Island went off the air, they made this. I feel like I actually have seen this, though. That's the funny thing. Like, I either did see it or I actually knew about it. Gilligan in Space is the one that, like, really pissed me off. Like, (laughs) like, Gilligan's Planet was just like, this makes absolutely no sense. Because your logic dictates that they were waiting for for somebody to rescue them off an island that apparently nobody knew about. Some uncharted island that had guest stars every week. But you couldn't get off, but you can go into space. (laughs) <laughs> it's kind of like jo- it's kind of like that season of Josie and the Pussycats in Outer Space. Was everybody going yep. to space in the seventies? Was that a thing? That was a well, thing, you get right? To a certain point, you go to space. That's the rule. Is that like one of the rules? But I mean, you've got Josie and Pussycats. That's basically like a great concept, anyway. Why you got to add space? Put it this way: the space in that equation is the Elmira in Pinky Elmira in the Brain. Ooh, good point. Because Elmira did not need to be with Pinky in the Brain at all. 
And I'm really mad they got a full season out of that. <laughs> and what's funny is that literally the entire concept of that show was them going, this is stupid. This is not going to work. We are cramming this in and making this, you know, we've been told to do this by the executives and we can't fight it. So it's going to suck. We know it's going to suck. We're sorry. They basically apologized to you with the opening song. Yeah. And then, of course, it was canceled because it was crap. So it's like... But when your own theme song is self-referential in knowing how bad it is, that's mm. how you know this should not have happened. In no, like, in no shape or fashion should this show have ever happened. But, oh, actually, what was... Oh, dang it. What was it? It was another Cree Summer show that I really liked, but now I'm blanking on what it is. But in the same... Oh. Cree Summer is great. I just want oh. that on record. Oh, she is my queen. That is on my bucket list. If I ever... If I ever actually get my store up and running, I will make an effort to like reach out to her just so I can interview her and be like, oh my God, you are the reason why Like I thought about being a voice actress growing up. You have been a huge part of my life and I want you to know that. She's just, uh, she's my heart. I love it. <laughs> See, my first thought is that she's Max from Batman Beyond because <laughs> yeah. that performance was just like so good and that it's like, it didn't matter that Max was only in like a third of the episodes. Yeah. I remember Max as a main character because Max ruled. Oh, yeah. I feel like any animation that she has done has just been like 10 times better. And the fact that she actually was Elmira just... <sighs> Sorry. I get... It's right here in my heart. I love it. <laughs> okay. Oh, before we leave the Gilligan's Planet topic... No, I we just, just need to say, let it die. <laughs> no, no, I just got one more thing. Because the thing is, Glenn Weldon, who is a very smart dude... Yes. ...was talking about Gilligan's Island... Okay. ...in terms of lasting impressions versus length of series. Because mm-hmm. he asked them, he's like, okay, do you know how long Gilligan's Island actually lasted? I... Three short seasons. Really? That's it. And by the middle of the second season, no one wanted to be there. Everyone accepted that the wheels were falling off and like the sets were getting flimsier and it was starting to be bad. And it hung on for a third as the last gasp and was canceled. Think about how much lasting effect that show has, despite it being three seasons. I was going to say, because I feel like it went on longer. Syndication. There you go. So... There have been the same number of seasons mm-hmm. of animated Gilligan's Island projects as there was of Gilligan's Island. There was one season of Gilligan's Planet and two of the new adventures of Gilligan. And there were only three seasons of the original show. Wow. That says a lot because I remember growing up watching Gilligan's Island on TNT in syndication because they would run the commercials almost all the time. I, like I remember seeing a lot of the commercials run and some of the episodes would come up too and especially on like tv land and stuff like that where they would run all the old movies and things like that hell even the actual gilligan's island movie where they got off the island i'm like this happened like in my mind gilligan's island ran for like 10 years (laughs) (laughs) the fact that it was only three seasons baffles me like truly baffles me it's one of those things where everyone thinks about you know star trek series having seven seasons always deep space nine had seven next generation had seven original series had three yeah that i did know it's the get the syndication get that hundred episodes get you paid oh wait it had three seasons and an animated series don't forget that oh yes i used to watch that on teletoon which yeah. is the cartoon network in canada yes they put it on at midnight right just before <laughs> Duckman. oh duck man <laughs> fucking duck man what a mess that show was. <laughs> it was. No, that was an awesome show. Jason Alexander is amazing. Yes, Duckman. <laughs> Here's the thing is that I have fond memories of that show because occasionally they would do something that was really clever. Right. Like really, really smart. And it's like once they were in their comfort zone. But then you go back and try and watch any episode in this, The Year of Our Lord 2018. <laughs> it's such a problematic mess. It is. 
and you know what? That's another thing that kind of, I don't want to say disheartens me, but it kind of puts me in like a, man, this is kind of dumb. But a lot of the stuff that we watched growing up, you can't do nowadays. Like, so everybody's in this whole thing of reboot this, reboot that, reboot this, reboot that. But why? Like, if the original was fine, don't fit, like, don't, it's not broken. Why? Why do we have to keep rebooting these series, like, for a newer generation? If you watch the older stuff and have somebody who can explain to you why in 2018, that's not right to say, just leave it where it is. Leave it back in the old days. One of my favorite authors when I was a kid, Gordon Corman, uh -huh. who's a Canadian author who wrote the McDonald Hall series and a bunch of other books that were my absolute favorites growing up. What he's done, and this is something that I kind of object to, uh -huh. is that all of those stories were set in the late 70s or mid 80s, and some as, as late as like the you know, because he was writing contemporarily. Right. So he would be like, all right, so now it's 1992. Mm -hmm. But what he did is he went back and rewrote some of them and updated the references to things like computers. Ugh. Because it's like there was one where it was the war with Mr. Whizzle where one particular teacher had a computerized uh, system, mm -hmm. had, had this computer with like punch cards and stuff. Okay. And would run everything by that and how it wasn't realistic and it drove all the students nuts. One kid whose name was Wilbur Hackenschleimer. <laughs> It was like this super long name. And what happened is that the teacher didn't have enough room in the surname section. Uh -huh. And so sorted his name to Hacken oh. and referred to him as Wilbur Hacken. And it drove him nuts. And first off, my I went, hang on, that's only six letters. How can you only have six letters for a surname field when you've got other, other surnames that I'm sure would be like seven or eight letters? But this is the only one it affects because he has the comically long surname. But he went back and he rewrote them so that rather than it being, oh, he has a computer and is running it by computer and that's weird and different, it's instead, oh, he has personal software that he's written and designed and it runs an algorithm and does it this way. So part of me is like, okay, well, that means that more modern kids are going to read these books I loved. Right. But part of me is also like, those books are a time capsule. They are the way they are for a reason. And if they're good, kids will get past that. I used to read the, uh, is it Tom Swift? or No, it's The Inventor, The Boy Inventor. Hang on. That's kind of like the stuff that I, it's, it literally reminds Tom me Swift of the things that I used to watch growing up. It's like, okay, this is cool. I like this. I like this now. But like a lot of the stuff you see, like even on like Cartoon Network and Boomerang and things like that. Like, they don't play mm -hmm. that stuff anymore. And it's actually kind of disheartening because I like the fact that I used to be able to watch on Boomerang cartoons from, like, the 70s, 80s, and early 90s and say, oh, okay, this is cool. This is stuff I remember. This is stuff I can watch. And now it's just been a dropping place for animations done in the early 2000s. I'm like, no one's going to watch that. Like, thankfully, I have the collection in my house here. But... What if, you know, what if there was something that I wanted to watch on TV, you know, let them let like what if I wanted to experience it, you know, watching it without having to get up and change the disc every 20 minutes, <laughs> you know, the Back to the Future cartoon, like we actually have that. It came with the Blu-ray box set that we got of Back to the Future. We wanted to get the 20th, what was it, the 20th anniversary or 30th anniversary? The one with the actual flux capacitor on the front of it, but we couldn't get it. So <laughs> we just got the regular one, and it came with the Back to the Future animation on it. I'm like, yes, this is what I wanted to see. This is what I like. If they started bringing out more of this old, like, all the old animations, I will buy it. Like, I have purposely gone to Best Buy to get the classic Hanna-Barbera cartoons and stuff like that. Like, they have Hong Kong Fooey on DVD, dude. <laughs> Hong Kong Fooey. You know I bought that. Because 
that is probably one of the best Hanna-Barbera cartoons that have ever been created. And that theme song alone kills it. <laughs> <sighs> Loved it. Loved it. Will still love it. And I'm, I appreciate it. <laughs> Frankly, with physical media so cheap to produce at the moment. Mm-hmm. I think that, because the thing is, I think the problem with a lot of early TV and animation being released on DVD is they released it and expected it to be an incredible, massive success rather than a niche market. Right. Which is why a lot of it failed. And so, like, I was working in the video section of a Borders Mm -hmm. when they tried to release stuff like Dukes of Hazzard Season 1. Right. You know, Growing Pains Season 1, things like that. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was one of those things where it's like those shows don't hold up, especially the first seasons of them, no. to the kind of DVD viewing that we did at the time and do now. If you binge like all of the first season of ALF, you were in for a sorry experience. Mm-hmm. So it's like what they should be doing is, like you said, picking out something that they know is just this weird little artifact and doing a small run of DVDs and then chucking the rest of it on streaming. Yeah. You know, just being like, all right, for those of you who want this physical media, we'll do, you know, call it a limited edition. Right. You know, restricted to a thousand copies or whatever. And be like, this is the only time you'll get it. Charge a premium price and then put the rest on streaming. So that those who want the physical copy can get it. And you recoup your cost because you're selling it at a premium cost. That is true. You know? Honestly, I would buy it. Like, I would actually go out of my way to buy some form of physical copy because I like tangibility. I like to be able to have it in my hand to say, yes, I have this. Yes, this is something that I can put in my collection. I can go put it in my DVD or Blu-ray player. And, you know, or if uh, I have people with young kids around, they will be able to watch it with no problem. I could just plop it in the DVD player, let them watch it and be done with it. (laughs) You know, at least that way I know I'm watching it too. Kimiko's dad, the owner of the second largest Laserdisc collection in Australia, does that with uh, his grandkids. Yeah. You know, Hero's cousins. Uh-huh. Will come over and he will put on a Laserdisc of something and they will not know the difference because it's just something that's coming on the TV. Yeah. And that's fine. Yeah. I know you could keep going for ages, but we should probably wrap it up at some point. No, it's fine. But here, I'll end it with this. So I don't hate the older versions of the cartoons we talked about. Like they had to obviously reach an audience that they thought wasn't going to have the spending power, but it does have a lasting impression. When you really sit down and think about it, you sit here and talk about these kid versions of cartoons or these the cartoons that properties that were once movies or, or, or other TV shows. And when you really sit down and think about it, it's made some kind of impact in your life to obviously share going forward with future generations and things like that. And truthfully, that's something that I've always wanted to do. That's always something that I've loved about animation in general is it's lasting impacts. It's something to say mm-hmm. that I can I can remember where I was watching this show. I can remember what this was. And I can honestly say, maybe this show wasn't as bad as it was but as I grew up you just sit there and be like no this was trash this was hot one trash and I don't <laughs> want any part of it but at least you know as you grow up and as you get older you know what you want your future generation to see and you know going forward that like once you take control of it you will know that okay this may have been bad growing up but at least I can put it in perspective and let the kids watch it let them enjoy it hell enjoy it with them that's the whole purpose of, you know, cartoons and stuff. It's there for everybody. Cartoons are not just specifically for kids. If there is one that you liked as a child growing up and you could find it in some form of media, 
watch it. Relive your childhood. You're only as old as you feel. I think that's a nice note to end it on. So, Art Lee, if people wanted to find your stuff on the internet, where would they go? So, I am mostly on Twitter. I am at the only Art Lee, Art Lee spelled A R T L E E. I do have an Instagram account. It's Television, T E L L E E V I S O N. I post a lot of pictures of myself, my goofy and geeky t shirts, my pop collection, and you know, random conventions that I go to. I did have a blog site, World of Television, that's actually kind of stagnant right about now. So hopefully I can get my website back up and running. And I am also, fingers crossed, in the process of working on a podcast with my friend Portia. Hopefully Ooh. that'll be coming out soon, as soon as we figure out the whole audio and how we can actually get our voices to mesh together. So look for that coming soon. So fingers crossed. All right, cool. And also, Art Lee's a quality follow. You want to watch somebody get mad about wrestling and give advice to six brown chicks and all kinds of things. I've been watching that from a distance, and that has been amazing. Like, watching how worked up you get. I have so many feelings about those tweets. And yes, I am a very passionate old school wrestler. The Attitude Era is still my favorite. Yes, I grew up in the Attitude Era. So... Yeah, what? just watch my tweets. Trust me, I'm a fun follow. I really am. <laughs> All right, Art Lee, thanks so much for coming back on. No problem, man. Yeah, I was walking down the street with my girl say say When I spied a geeky chick and she was cream brulee She was graphically inclined, I could tell by her shirt And when she looked my way, my heart started to hurt Her name is P.A. Sensei, spotting my clock She's in a punk rock band right now, they rock the block Thank you very much to Artlie Vasquez for her time. For Artlie's signature cocktail, she specifically asked for something in the vein of a mojito. So I decided to take that idea and run it around the block. And we're dusting off the Queen's Park Swizzle. In a shaker or heavy bottom glass, combine two ounces of light rum, one ounce of lime juice, three quarters of an ounce of simple syrup, one sugar cube, and a small handful of mint leaves. Using a muddler or a wooden spoon, squish all the ingredients together until you've crumbled the sugar cube and bruised the mint. Pour the whole lot into a very cold, tall glass. Top it up with crushed ice and splash two dashes of Peychaud's bitters and three dashes of Angostura bitters around the inside of the rim of the glass. Stir briefly with a bar spoon and top up with more crushed ice. Garnish with a final dash of Peychaud's bitters and a sprig of mint. Tall and refreshing, this drink is sure to get you off the island. Enjoy! The Math of You is recorded in Leichhardt, New South Wales, Australia, and is written, hosted, and edited 
by yours truly, Lucas Brown. This week, getting over a fresh bout of tonsillitis. I hope you couldn't tell. New episodes are released every Wednesday evening, and if you'd like to be a guest on the show, simply send an email to themathofyou at gmail.com and tell us what you'd like to talk about. You can follow the show on Twitter at themathofyou, and you can follow my wacky adventures at Lokified, L-O-K-I-F-I-E-D, on Twitter and Instagram, and Lokified82 on Snapchat. If you have a few dollars kicking around and would like to directly support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash lokified and pledge as little as a dollar a month. Or you can pledge as much as you want. You could make it rain. I believe in you. Patrons get access to bonus cocktail recipes, cursive tweets, and I would just really, really appreciate it. If you'd like to support non-monetarily, you can go to Apple Podcasts in the country of your choice and leave a five-star rating. It helps people find the show. Or you can read a review and I'll read it out. Won't that be nice? If you like the music I play on the show, there's a Spotify playlist for that. You can go to bit.ly slash themathofyou with capitals at the beginning of each word to find a Spotify playlist going all the way back to episode 1, featuring almost 11 hours of music, including this song. It's Cartoon Heroes by Aqua. I couldn't resist. I add music to the playlist as soon as the episode goes live, so make sure you subscribe to get the new music in your ears. Next week, I'll be talking to Joe Grant, co-host of the How To Wrestling podcast, about the early internet and how once upon a time, bloat and food were standing around. Join me, won't you? Oh, hang on, are you serious? Can you hear this? I can't hear it. It sounds like I'm being dive-bombed by a freaking Stuka. You are. The, the planes are back. The, oh, hang on. Yeah. <laughs> Can you fucking help? Again? We've clearly hit peak paint plane time. Apparently. They just don't want us to be great. I don't understand. We're having a great conversation, and this is what's happening. <laughs>